0: CLS is go for main engine, start. Go at throttle up. Negative return. Then we
1: see a nominal Miko.
2: Welcome to space.
0: Hey, everybody. I am pushing all the buttons today because Jake is not here. And then a the fun kicker... None of my technology worked. So it's just me talking to you on off nominal. <laughs> Lauren Grush, uh, you are here in the Jake Box today. Thanks for coming back. Oh, How's it going?
1: Honored. Good. It feels apt that we have technical trouble for a space com podcast. It's <laughs> of some kind. Totally
0: par for the course. And we have a new friend today, Rachel. Welcome aboard. You are here from the lovely payload. We were We were just basically asking around at payload who would like to come on the show this week because we've (laughs) talked to many of you before, but first time on the show. So thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah. I'm excited to be here. It's my, my very first appearance. Um, yeah, everybody from payload, uh, has great things to say. So excited to make my, make my debut here.
0: (laughs) Well, we've got a fun list of things. Uh, so Lauren was out in New Mexico for the Virgin Galactic launch, uh, which I based on the videos you were posting, I cannot wait to hear about what being at one of the You were at were you at the first crewed launch as well? I feel like you went to uh, that one too, right?
1: i no, that was actually my very first oh. time to go to an actual launch. I've been to Spaceport America before, but yeah, this was the first time people were actually getting into VSS Unity and flying to space.
0: All right. So we're gonna have to review that situation because there's like that's a faceted yes. conversation, which I'm pumped about. Uh, and we also made a bunch of predictions several months ago uh, which essentially amounts to us reading a list that Rachel can laugh at us for. So that will be <laughs> I feel like this a good back this half year of the show in
1: particular has been pretty bad when it came to totally like, not what we expected. Launching on time. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so. Um, <laughs> like walls. But to start us out to either of you, Rachel, did you bring anything fun to drink on your uh off normal debut here? I-
2: I did, I did. I was excited to join the tradition. Um, I brought a little ripper. So basically an Amaro spritz oh, I'll show.
0: Oh nice. For everybody here. Look at this. Ooh. In a in a nice like old school Coke glass.
2: Yeah, one of my favorite things. Just makes everything taste a little bit better,
0: I think. Lauren, you're uh in a different environment than I've seen you in previously. I don't know if there's a yes, fun story or I... if you're just like out and about.
1: No. Just out and about, and I've brought with me a very classic drink, which is a Pellegrino <laughs> oh nice <laughs> so yeah, so very very uh, creative today, but yeah, no fun story, just out and about
0: just just out and about with a sweet a sweet chair uh I've got yes. a it's the thing that we lovingly refer to as stick wine here in the family, which is a multiple chano uh that's fairly delicious, so Abruzzo it's where the uh, the Colangelo family roots are too, so somewhere in my heritage feels like home. Uh, all right, let's start with this virgin Galactic thing. I am always terrified whenever I watch this vehicle and I would just like to to get a sense around the horn here of like am I the outlier, or is this a natural thing while we're watching this vehicle?
1: No, I think I'm definitely the same way. I have to preface it though that. I didn't actually see this vehicle go to space, (laughs) unfortunately. If you'll recall, the same thing happened to me when I tried to watch Inside go to space and didn't see any of that either. So I had a repeat repeat event. It was just a very cloudy day out in um, New Mexico. When we went, we did see it take off uh, from the ground. Uh, but in terms of any kind of, you know, drop and release and fire, that was all obscured by... Yep, that's the tweet! <laughs> no,
0: but, like, also, the thing about this... Uh, sorry, my buttons aren't working exactly well. The thing about this vehicle is that, like, even if it was perfectly clear, you're sort of in the same situation, right? Because... I, I was
1: told you might see the contrails, you know, when it, when it's igniting the motor and that, you know, you could see it just at the very beginning of igniting that, that engine, but yeah, it's, it's, you could still see it. So I, I did feel a little, a little disappointed a little for mode. trekking all the way out there. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you know, that's the risk that comes with going to one of these launches, right? You know, you can't, the one thing you cannot control is the weather is as, the space industry has learned time and time again. So, Uh, but it it was fine weather for launching, just not for viewing.
0: (laughs) Rachel scale one to 10 afraid of watching Virgin Galactic launches is 10 is maximum afraid. (laughs) One is very relaxed. Where are we at?
2: Listen, so I've never actually seen a rocket launch oh, in person. I don't even mean like in real any life. Sort of space launch I'm in just person. generally
0: like, um, where are you at stress level? I'm going
2: to definitely at the upper end of the range. I'm going to give it like a seven or an eight.
0: Yeah. But what's your like crude baseline? What is the baseline of crude launches? Because I oh, guess there's always be fair. a little
2: bit of anxiety um, yeah. involved. Um, I would say very low for something like a Crew Dragon launch. Um, I would put that, like, down at, like, a one or a two. But I think in general, we're at, like, maybe a four, five. Yeah. It seems like a good, you know, baseline. Soyuz is
0: pushing right? it these days. Like, they're yeah. climbing into galactic range. <laughs>
2: Getting up
1: there, yeah, I guess so. I, th- I think my issue is just, like, the lack of vehicle that takes you to space. <laughs> you know, as a child, I grew up on the space shuttle, which was a... You know, there was just a lot of vehicle there, which I know makes it harder to actually get to space. But, you know, it just kind of gave me comfort that they had like, you know, at least room in the cockpit and, you know, (laughs) a a very nice space plane behind them. So, you know, and and that goes for even Falcon 9 launches, too. That one still weirded me out because it was like, oh, that's such a thin rocket taking people to orbit. And so with uh, Virgin Galactic, it's like, oh, that is a very small thing taking people to space i know that the physics technically works but it just still it's still my brain doesn't allow me to accept it
0: i like that that's your hold up is like just the physical size that's that's yes. a hilarious because <laughs> for me both of the vehicles you've now classified here are like exactly the same I'm like boy there's no way out of that thing like that has that has abort modes But come on, like these these are not good abort modes. None of the shuttle abort modes other than like, oh, we'll make it to a lower orbit, were good abort modes, you know?
1: No, no. And I learned all about these shuttle abort modes for my book, um, which (laughs) were, I loved how just everyone just, even the astronauts and the people who were working on it were just like, yeah, we really don't ever want to uh, do those kinds of aborts ever. That sounds like the worst case scenario we could possibly imagine. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, all right, listen. They did a good live stream, though. I'll give them props on the live stream for Galactic One. Yes. Uh, They definitely showed the people in the cabin more. I'm going to just do some, like, competitive analysis here. Blue Origin just lets you listen to everyone yelling, and this at least got, like, some charming man floats to back of spaceship unveils Italian flag. That was great. Like, there was some good aspects to that. Uh, Now... On the ground, you've been to Spaceport America when when you went before, was there an event of like the unveiling of like that astronaut lounge or whatever? I'm trying to remember the time. Uh, they, we talked to you at some point on the show when you had been out there.
1: It wasn't an event, but they had already unveiled the design of the interior. We went, I think, shortly after, we were actually doing a story on Truth or Consequences, which is the town, the near nearby town. Um, and just kind of the promises that had been made about Spaceport America, and have the you know what the expectations had been when they moved to town, and what the townsfolk actually thought of you know launches being imminent. And speaking of, I think we filmed that video in 2019, and I think there's a line in there that said with commercial operations set for later this year or early 2020 or something like that. So, you know, that prediction didn't necessarily pan out either. But, uh, yeah, we got to go visit and kind of uh, roam around the area. And also we stayed in Truth or Consequences at the time. So it was an interesting dichotomy of kind of like, you know, very slow Americana. And then also, you know, the futuristic sci-fi of Spaceport America.
0: It's a weird weird spot for sure. Like the... no <laughs> yeah. cuz there's like there's layers to it right there's the virgin galactic of it all but there's also the fact that the spaceport has been a like contentious topic within new mexican politics generally with how much money has been spent on it with promises of all these different things and then like it's almost one of those aspects where people talk about oh we need more spaceports so then it just sounds like like you can use that to say we need a spaceport here too and even though right. like there's nothing to do with this one other than this particular use case. So it, it's like the sweetest looking airport terminal you've ever seen that has nothing going on in it.
1: Right. And I think one, one interesting thing we learned was that they had uh, the town or the county had voted to make some of their tax, increase the taxes ever so slightly, to, and that would go towards the building of the spaceport. And, you know, they, they had made all these promises. One of the things that Truth or Consequences kind of deals with a lot is like, people coming into town saying they're going to save the town, right? Cause it is a very poor community. And I remember everyone brought up this, um, Oh God, it was like a blinds factory that was going to come in and save the town or something like everyone kept bringing that up. And so it was kind of, they were saying Spaceport America in the same vein. Um, so it would be interesting to go back now, now that things are kind of like picking up steam and to see if they have noticed any kind of activity related to the launches I think I'd like to see, you know, Virgin Galactic actually achieve this monthly cadence that they're talking about. But yeah, um, the, the irony, though, is I did stay in Las Cruces when we went. It is a lot easier to, <laughs> to totally. get there from Las Cruces. So I think that's not in their favor
0: either. The monthly cadence thing is interesting because they are now... So they're saying, what, August 10th, I think, was the last I saw for the second flight? Yeah,
1: it just sounds... They just
0: announced that today, yeah. Oh, that was today? Oh, wow. All right. Yes. I just got back from vacation, (laughs) so I'm like, I don't know. I assumed everything that I've read has happened in the last week, but apparently that was today. There's a lot that happened today. Um, So, like, cool if they can hit monthly and stay monthly, but that's also not enough per also them raising a bunch of money recently. Monthly is not enough to make money in their current architecture of things. Lauren's first day with AirPods Pro, everybody. So give her, yeah, give her a second step on board. <laughs> but they're in a weird spot where, like, this first flight, they had the, it was like this half research or full research flight where it was half seats and then the, the payloads in the back and all that, which was meant to be, oh, this is the thing that would increase revenue versus just flying people. And that's why this Italian flight got bumped way up the manifest because they signed up way after the hundreds of people that had signed up for regular flights and they flew first. Mm -hmm. But even then monthly is nowhere near enough to make them money and they have to keep raising money in all these different ways to extend their runway out beyond. So like, I just, I don't see how this works out for them in the medium term. So
1: what I will say is when I spoke with them at the spaceport they did kind of own up to that so they were they were saying that vss unity is going to be like a loft leader for the foreseeable future so i don't while they're while they're happy to start commercial operations it almost didn't feel as if it was the true start to commercial operations because it really just felt like okay we We've got VSS Unity up to speed. Essentially, what I understood is that the the vehicle was kind of like still a prototype. It wasn't necessarily meant to be an operational vehicle, but they they made it into one so that they could start commercial operations. It's really this new Delta class of vehicles that they're kind of putting all of their stock into, and those aren't going to be ready for what till 2025. So, um, you know, it's they're they're really kind of. Doing a bunch of dress rehearsals with their customers on Unity until the Delta class is ready. That's where they really see it be taking off. Taking off as a sustainable uh, business. Uh.
2: When you get to the Delta class of of spacecraft, though, do you think it gets to that sort of more sustainable um, economic rate?
1: Me personally, so let's all make faces you know. about how we feel is what we're
0: doing at the moment. <laughs> we're all like, uh.
1: um, I just, how about this? I'm not going to answer because I so don't, don't want to get in trouble. But if you look at all the other space companies that are trying to, you know, be public and um, you know how they're moving forward with their businesses, they've all very much diversified their portfolio in terms of uh, vehicles they're working on. Um, uh, You know, things that they offer to customers, Like if you look at Rocket Lab, they're not just launching rockets, they're actually manufacturing satellites. They're also building a bigger rocket. You know, they're kind of following the market. So I I would just say that I think that trend kind of speaks to whether or not that will be enough. How about that?
0: (laughs) That's actually, so now thinking about the Virgin Galactic history, right? Virgin Orbit was the spinoff because it was like, oh, we can do satellites too. And then, you know, presuming that lasted long enough, their spinoff would have been we'll sell satellite and rocket components because that's what everyone does. So it's almost like they were one too many spinoffs up the chain. They went from human launch, which is like definitely not so far a, a like great capital market to the next the next worst one, which was satellite launch to then like, oh, and then they petered out. So, if they were just one spin-off <laughs> ahead of where they were, maybe they would have had the uh, the component market in them. So, but I don't know though. the Astra one's going in the other <laughs> direction. The Astra one's like coming back around. I saw you writing about this recently, Rachel, with them raising more yeah. money and then uh, undoing the Apollo Fusion situation as much as they can. So yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. it's a tough situation, I think that they're in right now. And I'm maybe not an expert on this topic, but they are doing this reverse stock split to keep from being delisted on um, the Nasdaq, and so that'll keep them, you know, in the public markets for a little bit longer. It'll also raise about 65 million dollars through their um, at the market um, stock sale. Um, At their current cash burn, though, it's only another couple quarters of, of operation for Astra. So it's still, I'm interested to see how they're planning to kind of make that work into the deeper future. In the short term, I think it'll, it'll work out for them maybe, but it's not a huge vote of confidence. You know?
0: No.
1: It And also it's just, they have so much to do once they start launching that new rocket. Like it's, you know, it, it's not as if it's just going to be, you know, they're going to be kind of going, you know, very frequently out, out the gate. So we'll see, I, you know, some, I'm, I'm happy to be proven wrong.
0: Yeah, but I mean they're both in the oh, same situation, right? Like short shortening runway, working on new rocket. That's not a good mix. There's there are like name a rocket that where the the f- starting to launch the new rocket went really smoothly. Uh, we're gonna be thinking a while, <laughs> you know. Like that doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. It doesn't go that way. That's not how that works because that's right. kind of the laws of physics of of launch. So yeah, I'm, I'm just. I now, okay, I would feel way more pessimistic about Virgin Galactic if Blue Origin was just ripping it right now uh, but they've yet to really show what their schedule is going to be in the return to flight era for New mm-hmm. Shepard, you know I mean, this is, one of the predictions we had was how many crewed flights is Blue Origin going to fly this year I was way optimistic oh, yeah. I, can dip, I can dip into this sheet already uh, on the topic that. so, uh, granted, this was when did, I, when did we do this show? December, January, whatever it was. So, Lauren, you're you're looking great right now. You said two crude flights. Jake said four. I said six. So <laughs> I feel like you, you're going to be more right. I didn't expect them to be down this long, uh, and and not have really shared any details about what the schedule is going to be from here.
1: And when did we make those predictions? What this was show the beginning
0: was of the year. So, oh wow, episode so eighty nine. Proud of myself. I think. Um, January 5th, 2023.
1: No, Now now that I think about it, yeah, it is July and I am kind of shocked. And then I think the recent guidance, which wasn't even that recent, I think it was like beginning of June, right? They said they were going to be up and running in a couple of weeks or a matter of weeks. And I guess it was in the cosmic sense. So, you know, (laughs) we'll see if that actually happens anytime soon. Yeah,
0: now if they were, but if they were, you know, if they didn't have that issue and they were flying, I mean, they were on their way to flying more than once a month on their trajectory of things. Like they were really ramping up new shepherd mm -hmm. cadence.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was kind of surprised at how quickly they were flying back to back when they did actually have their, in fact, did I even tell you this? I probably said it last time, but I remember (laughs) at the, at the time when that uh, anomaly did occur, we were like, oh, it's just a cargo mission. Okay, we'll just keep an eye on it, <laughs> you know? And then of course, you know,
0: bit me in the butt. Yeah, well. Now, to bring this back to where we started this conversation, uh, how scared am I of a new shepherd launch? Zero. Like, this situation, I feel like they should have been and they did this recently when they were somebody was talking about New Shepherd, and they were talking about how like This was a great proof of the abort system. I feel like they, I would have been, if I was Blue Origin, New Shepard sales team, I would have been marketing the shit out of the fact that our abort system worked so well, because guess what? We have an abort system. There is an abort system on this vehicle. Like, you will 100% be safe on this thing because, look, the whole thing blew up, and this thing got back safely. Look at how great our vehicle is. Buy a ticket, because we have an abort system. I would have made shirts said we have a board system i would put putting this everywhere they have said almost nothing about it and i think in on its own that's probably a defensible strategy because your vehicle blew up in terms of the suborbital tourism market and now the larger adventure tourism market which maybe you wrote something about the the sub situation lauren recently in the moratorium that's coming up in october like when you put it in context there this looks like the safest thing that you could do in that area
1: um, yeah, if you're asking whether or not I would choose to get on a vehicle without an abort system, I would prefer to fly on a vehicle yeah, with an yeah. abort you system. You have the abort Absolutely. system t shirt.
0: We have an abort system t shirt.
1: I would still say it did give me pause. You know, I think it was definitely a very sobering moment. Just a reminder, you know, like because things were ramping up when it came to Blue Origin, and it has felt a lot like, oh, there's nothing that could go wrong when it comes to these. Uh commercial space endeavors. So I I would just prefer the rocket not to, to bear off course, I guess. Um, but you're right. Yes. The fact that it did actually work was or the the abort system worked was a very uh helpful uh advertisement for the vehicle for sure. <sighs>
0: All right. well, for a
2: non-super spacey audience, though, like the kind of people who might be buying tickets to these tourism flights, I still think, you know, Rocket not doing what Rocket should do is still kind of a scary thing to to sign up for for that much money. I don't know.
0: I'm a, I'm I can't imagine right that's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not, not great when you can Google image search, the Rocket blowing up. No. Yeah. All right. Like, if we're going to delve into the... Uh, we have not not talked about the Ocean Gate situation on this show at all. And oh, I really? And I do feel like <laughs> it's somewhat interesting because I had learned, like, you know, a week or two ago, a week, a week or two after the event, that last July, there was one of the missions that had Alan Stern, Dylan Taylor, and who else went on that one? Somebody else went on that that I was... Uh, reading about i forget i don't remember somebody else oh uh was it the guy who flew twice on new shepherd i texted this to jake at some point when i was like everybody went down on this thing last summer uh but in that same vein anyway like the the crossover here between people going to the bottom of the ocean or the titanic and space flight is very heavy so if the mm-hmm. same people who were buying tickets on new Shepard were like yeah let's go on this sub that clearly everyone coming out of the woodwork to be like, look at all these things that we should have been concerned about. Maybe you're right, Rachel. Like, It is just a baseline. Have I seen something bad happen to this vehicle before? And not necessarily a, a deeper analysis of like systems engineering from that.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I might take that back, though, because with the Ocean Gate situation, there wasn't an abort system, right? There was no way. Yeah. No way out of that, too, if something goes wrong. Um, I think it is a more responsible decision. Absolutely, to get on um, a New Shepard flight and and to get into that thing that was terrifying. I was on the edge of my seat for days. Um, as I Lauren's Eddie only was.
0: problem with it was that it wasn't a big enough submarine. That was the main <laughs> the main so, issue. <laughs> Not enough room for activities. Yeah.
1: Um, I will say though that in terms of transparency, I saw I I feel like there are similar issues and but you know this isn't an easy problem to solve because when you are super transparent about well first off there are restrictions in terms of how transparent you can be right because of Ritar and, and restrictions like that but then let's say you are gonna you are super transparent about all of the issues you've dealt with you know I, I would say maybe the average person doesn't quite understand you know whether or not those are big deals you know and that's kind of our job which is to like Uncover the truth and tell you whether or not that's a, that's something that should be concerned about. But I think I think something that was really telling to me was um, you're gonna laugh, uh, but I did. I was watching the uh, Kardashian show on Hulu back when Pete Davidson was considering going up and. Basically, oh, you know, yeah. Kim was talking about how she was worried about it to one of her friends. And then she said, you know, she sat down with Jeff Bezos and he said he convinced her that it was safe, you know, and I mean, it's funny, but that's essentially kind of what you're going on. You know, you, you know, they do their public tests, but you kind of just take their word for it that they've done all the things that they need to do. Um, so in, in that way, I did kind of feel an eerie similarity to the ocean gate Mm. issue, you know, obviously the physics are extremely different. Um, but you know, there, and the regulation is different, but it's still, there are some crossovers that I thought were interesting.
0: This is the real reporting that you don't get elsewhere. (laughs) It's direct from the Kardashian show. Uh, right. that's stuff I honestly had not seen that talked about before. I feel like, and and that's uh, that's great stuff right there.
1: <laughs> You're welcome. I'm happy to provide the, the um, pop culture space crossover or whatever you need.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, but he did not see the Titanic, though. Pete Davidson.
1: Oh no! Uh, not that yeah. I'm aware. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen him on the list,
0: so it. Just, I was shocked how many people have seen the Titanic. I feel like I've been aware of, though. So, it's a whole thing.
1: How many people have seen the Titanic?
0: Uh, you know, a couple, but most of them are space nerds, I feel like. <laughs> it's weird. I mean, Richard Garriott has gotten stuck under it. I read, I've read, i read his book, and he's been on this show, Cute. and he talked about getting stuck under it. That was weird.
2: There that was a thing, so, sounds, okay,
0: related. I, let, me, let me peel back some layers of off-nominal planning. Uh, after we had Richard Garriott on the show a couple years ago, I reached out to try to get Victor Vescovo on the show, who was the guy that founded the company that company that's taking people down to the the bottom of the Mariana Trench, uh, who's also flown on a New Shepard flight and was, like, friends with the guy who was on Oceangate and was, like, trying to convince him not to go on there, yada, yada. I was trying to get him on the show because I wanted to, to ask a question, and this is relevant to your reporting recently, Lauren, about, like, moratoriums expiring and the similarities here. Why, if if we assume that, like going to space is eventually going to be a popular thing to do for tourism. And even just, not even tourism, but like point-to-point Earth travel, right? Like if, if space travel is going to become economically viable, why has ocean travel, why is it still the same price or more for those journeys that when we've been doing it a lot longer as a species? Like what is it about the market? Is it just... Is it always, like, I'm, I'm using that as, okay, if that's still really expensive, then space is way off from ever being affordable.
1: I was actually talking about this recently with someone about, in terms of reuse, and whether or not that's kind of like the game changer in terms of finances that people proclaim it to be. And if you've noticed, like, we haven't seen a substantial decrease when it comes to going to space on a Falcon 9. And I really just think it's the environment. Well, what they were saying is it's the harsh environment of going to space and like re entering the Earth's atmosphere. That is always going to be extremely taxing and stressful on your vehicle, enough to the point where you're going to need to kind of do some tune ups afterwards that are going to be expensive. And just needing, and just the complexity of the vehicle involved taking you to space. That is expensive, you know. It's the the act of leaving our atmosphere and re-entering it. I think is kind of the the uh, the reason that that threshold is hard to like bring down so so significantly. But I'm happy to be. This was I was talking to an engineer, so if someone else wants to come in and tell me I'm wrong, I'm happy to be
2: wrong
0: yeah that's fair i mean i guess in that i don't know what do you think well if all i guess your point is if submarines were expendable it would be like way more expensive to go see the titanic than the fact that we can just bring the submarines back up and get back in them submersibles i know there's gonna be like nerds in the chat talking about submarines versus submersibles whatever uh yeah that's a whole thing just go on reddit lauren it's a whole (laughs) thing don't make that face at me i'm not these nerds okay i just have been on reddit i don't know i don't know is there anything else to glean from this situation is this I, don't
1: um, know. I think the biggest thing that i what i wrote about in the story was you know there's it's just there's been a long a lot of discussion about when is the right time to introduce regulations for human spaceflight safety specifically and yes i would be remiss not to Mentioned the fact that it, it space is a highly regulated industry. Obviously, when it comes to launch and reentry, we have plenty of regulations in place to dictate safety there, which does kind of spill over into the human safety aspect of things. However, you know they've just been really reluctant to allow safety regulations to come into play because they say they're in this learning period and that you know it's still a new industry, which is kind of laughable at this point, especially after the last decade that we've had, you know, to say that it's, it's an emergent, emerging industry. Um, But I think the, the best, the big case for coming up with something was when I spoke with George Neal and he was saying, look, we could easily have something like this happen in space. You know, not, obviously you're not going to get lost like the ocean gate sub will, but there could be a very high profile disaster. I mean, can you imagine if, one of branson's flight at the branson flight or if the bezos flight had ended you know tragically um, there would be congressional hearings and you know all sorts of investigations and people would be calling for safety regulations immediately once they found out that there aren't any safety regulations and then that would cause you know a haste to create safety regulations and when you do things with speed and haste, they aren't necessarily the the best ways to keep people safe in the in these endeavors. So that that was kind of the, the good point. It's like, you know, everybody kind of has a negative or positive, you know, feeling towards regulatory a regulatory regime. And it's it's more of like, can we come together and make a compromise so that we're all benefiting in the long run and that we you don't have to deal with a very tragic scenario like the Ocean Gate uh
0: disaster i struggle with this one honestly like
1: really i'd love to hear your
2: thoughts
0: yeah i just I, i don't even struggle that like i i feel strongly one way or the other but i have in all the discussions of this thing the moratorium ending and then trying to implement regulations i feel like i haven't heard anyone really give me examples of like what what would these regulations be shaped like in, in terms of specificity, right? Like, should have an abort system, is that is that as specific as we're getting? Or is it, like, much more specific regulations than that, right? And then, if that's true, if it's must-have-an-abort system, is, is what is the definition of an abort system? Does that have to be certified to a certain, like, statistical amount that, like, you're going to get the people back what X and Y amount? Or, you know, because, again, like, would the space shuttle be... Are we going to write regulations in a way that the space shuttle would would get the thumbs up? And if so, I feel like they should be a little bit more stringent than that. Like, you know, maybe we should use it on historical vehicles. You know, which ones do we feel good about? Which ones do we not? And like I don't know. I'm I'm see how mushy I am. I just really don't understand I'm not anti the regulations coming into effect, but I am just like can somebody give me some examples of what these would be so I can understand what effect that would have on on the vehicle developers themselves. That's kind of where I'm at, you know?
1: I think yeah. the idea it's- is we want to hear from industry, you know, like if the industry speaks up now and works with the government to say the best way that they can be regulated, you know, then they can take that into account and, you know, figure out the best, you know, like use what we've learned in order to create the best path forward because now, now we, we've, we've done what we've said. It, the learning period, we've learned a lot, you know? So time to take <laughs> those lessons and to apply them to an actual regulatory framework.
2: Yeah, definitely. I know that there are groups in the industry working to kind of create these voluntary standards um, that everyone kind of works by. In the meantime, while we don't have regulation in place to make sure that spaces, um, space travel is safe as possible. Um, though it's always going to be a risky thing. I think it's really difficult to figure out where exactly to draw that line, um, say, you know, one and however many flights can have injury. And you know, that's a really kind of difficult thing for a person to to consider what how much risk is an OK amount of risk
0: and how to calculate it. Right. All I've ever heard right. about the the safety ratings of historical vehicles is that they were all made up. Like, the one in whatever was declared at the beginning of a vehicle was completely fabricated out of, Mm -hmm. like, best math possible, right? Which is not good based on then what happened when those vehicles flew for 30 years. So, uh, all... So, the the reason... This is, again... All right, I think we're getting to the root of it because then I'm left with, all right, what are the regulations that we've written? And from looking at the industry right now of suborbital travel, I think if they were to propose their own, they would be like, all suborbital tourism flights should fly from the desert. That's what we're going to agree on. It's far from everyone else. There's not a lot around here. Uh, And then they would fight over, should we have wings or should we have an abort system? And and that would be like, all right, so we're going to left with like, everything should fly within 30 miles of this point in New Mexico. And that way it feels very safe. Because that's, by the way, Lauren, how close they all fly from each other right now. On my trip to New Mexico in May, I drove from Carlsbad, New Mexico, up through the center of the state. I was like, 15 miles from the Blue Origin site and then drove past the Virgin Galactic site. And I was like, wow, all of this stuff happens in the same spot on Earth. This is not very far away from each other. And it's very interesting that that's the case.
1: (laughs) I always joke that like the best place to to launch a rocket is the worst place to go, you know, (laughs) (laughs) or it's like it's not a place that's conducive to like human Uh, life (laughs) because you want it to be you don't want humans to be there right you want to be in the middle of nowhere away from people and so it's usually in a swamp or it's usually in a desert
0: (laughs) uh yeah middle of the ocean coming soon uh right so yeah you're (laughs) right you're right it's good we gotta you gotta get that a named like a like lauren's theorem or something you gotta get that like as a named thing after you. The best spot to launch a rocket is the worst <laughs> place to be. So, get that quoted somewhere. <laughs>
2: okay. Yeah. It's good.
0: It's a good theory. I like it. So. Uh, should we... Before we look at the rest of our predictions, uh, I would like both of you to review... Uh, I realize my buttons don't work to show the screen. I would bo- I'd like both of you to review the new Artemis Vans. Rachel, oh you wrote something oh about boy. this today. Give me your full review of these things. <laughs> and yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. What what do you make of this?
2: I am going to say something that I don't... It is not mine. It's from Twitter. And I think Michael Shees tweeted this. Um, that it looks like a pill bug. Like those little like roll up, um, <laughs> like roly-poly It totally buds. does. Um, and I can't stop picturing that um, in these fans. In these um, something about that like fully glass top. Um, I don't know, the shape of it. it it's not a very attractive vehicle to me, to me, personally. No. I'm getting
1: like a Twinkie kind of vibe, you know, like the, the, the snack. <laughs> Thanks
0: for the clarification.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my contribution.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm just mostly perplexed by the window below the steering wheel. Like, what... <laughs> what is the utility of the this thing is a window this is that a window yes that's a window in all these canoe vehicles i i looked at their site earlier apparently they're almost always going bankrupt this company uh i feel like i looked into this a little yeah. when this when they were it came out that they were going to design these things but all there's all their things have this window in front of the steering wheel which gives it like a bus vibe which i I understand in when you have a vehicle that is insanely large and you need to park it in tight spots it makes sense to have good visibility when it is a vehicle that is as tiny as this nobody needs to see that part of the road I don't I'm not getting extra good views of wherever I'm driving I'm just looking at in my case potholes and badly like, landscaped <laughs> roads in Philadelphia like I don't I'm not my life is not improved by the window in front of the steering wheel these Astro vans are not going to be parallel parking anywhere. Please explain why that window is there.
2: Are they very small vehicles? I can't really get a good sense of the size. It, how big could those it's seats to be? To look
0: it's at those seats.
2: To fit four astronauts, like in their seats. Yeah, I guess oh, yeah. the back
0: seat is pretty big, huh? But, and they anyway, do look
2: like they would be small.
0: Yeah, I just—I mean, I guess the back seat is spacious, but there's, yeah. Well, each each one's not going to carry. Four, right? Are they going to do the SpaceX-style where there's two in each?
2: Possibly I mean, I
1: imagine. I, have n- I, I actually don't know.
0: No. I thought right, well, it was
1: cool. The only- the only- I think that maybe they're trying to, you know, uh, copy the look of the old Astra van, you know, from the old Airstream. So maybe that's why they picked. And they wanted to do an EV company. So, you know, that they found one that happened to be making the very unique uh silhouette that also kind of looks like an airstream and is also an electrical vehicle so they found
2: it (laughs) they nailed it
0: yeah all right well i'm glad that we're all as unimpressed as i am (laughs) at those and it's i don't know there's a nostalgia for the astrovans um that i do not feel is warranted this is maybe my space hot take of the week but like
2: oh
0: yeah yeah. give it away yeah let me try this one on for size I think we all think the Astrovans were a lot cooler and more glamorous, only because we grew up, like, our generation grew up, like, oh, what if we grew up at the time that people were going to the moon? And, in reality, it's a car that drives people four miles at most. And it's like, okay, great.
2: It's the retro aspect <laughs> that's, that's appealing. Yeah,
0: right. Right.
1: Um, no, if you if you remember we should probably don't. sally sally rides first flight wasn't even the cool astro van that everybody remembers it was this the ithaca sun cruiser which really looks like it was like a it had the very much like a winnebago vibe to it. it was very old and and crummy looking it was not not cute at all
0: uh hold on a second you, i gotta yeah. i gotta find this because number one the best way to plug your book of all time is obscure facts like this, Lauren. By the way. So.
1: <laughs> well, I remember because I had to look up the make and the model. I was like, "What car is this?
0: How, you, um, how did you even find like, this?" There's like no results for Sally Ride, Ithaca uh, Sun Cruiser.
1: It was. so it was uh, STS seven.
0: See. I guess like.
1: Huh. Oh, Itasca Sun Cruiser. Sorry, I wow. I already messed it up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> editor take note uh i feel like this is in the is this the background of it is this is this it in the background what's going on here was that the thing no what is that are any of these um,
1: give me, no, um, i don't looking know at the no, walkout that, that i um, gotta get into
0: it you know
1: you're gonna have to find like a video of them getting into the car
0: all right well we're gonna have to follow up with that because that sounds amazing i like this kind of this kind of uh like, we've papered over these hilarious elements of space history, uh, and you're blowing up the spot that it was... And, I mean, you are fortifying my point here, that the Astrovans are overly hyped, nostalgia-ridden vehicles. Yes,
1: they're not glamorous. No, no they're they're definitely... They were kind of uh, an over... Well, I don't know if they were a last-minute addition, but, you know, when it came to some of them, it was definitely a, a
0: cheap RV. <laughs> Yeah, and I bet nobody then cared at all.
1: No, they they were probably more focused on the fact that they were about to launch on top of a controlled bomb. Yeah,
0: yeah, (laughs) that would have been top of mind for sure. All right, that's some good uh, that's some good lore to be found in in your book, I'm sure. So, let's talk about the book in a second. Let's do okay. Let's do. uh, I'm going to run down a list of predictions. Rachel, you can uh declare who is gonna be more right about this. Okay. All right. Got it. Uh well, we already said I was wrong immediately. My first prediction out the gate, I was wrong within days. Um Relativity, I had first launch fails after Max Q. Jake had failure before Max Q, and uh so I think I won that one, right? When then they fail. They failed before they got to orbit. Oh, I think right?
2: Or orbit I think, but I think after
0: that? yeah no, Lauren, you were the most wrong of us all. You said that they would oh, have okay. a success. All you said was they would have a success in 2023, and what they did instead was fly once and cancel the whole program. That's so. true. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: All right, actually, so. that one was a hard one to to gauge. You know, yeah. so come on, like, yeah. did we really truly expect a blatant pivot?
0: <laughs> no, no <laughs>
2: one guessed. Uh, I'm <laughs>
0: Uh Vulcan, uh Jake had Northern Hemisphere summer twenty twenty two. I just was betting on May pretty heavily. Lauren had Q three. So Hey. Yeah.
2: you gonna give her any credit off. for this,
0: Rachel. Does does Lauren for get Vulcan. any credit? Yeah. Uh
2: yeah, I mean the most right. Definitely the, the most, most right.
0: yeah.
2: As we know, I think Q four the earliest now unlikely seemed the way from Tori was talking today.
0: Yeah, what do you make of this? Do you uh, where you at on this? Be four? Is it or is it not a big deal? Did you did you check out this stuff today, Rachel? With the were you on the call. I wasn't I wasn't cool enough for the call. Yeah,
2: um, I I got uh, secondhand information from the call, so I wasn't on it myself. Um,
0: I don't know. It's I
2: mean they're still kind of in the midst of repairs and things. From what it sounds like, um, still hoping to launch by the end of the year. I I personally am not not so sure.
1: I think my take is that it's just such a, it's a, it's a failure so early in the process when they are supposed to be ramping up. And it, it, in terms of what my understanding of the hierarchy of testing this, you know, the fact that it was intended to be shipped to ULA just seems a bit concerning to me um, because for all intents and purposes, this engine was supposed to fly. And so, you know, regardless of whether or not acceptance failures happen all the time, it still just seems kind of sketchy to have it happen on a flight, you know, a a vehicle or an article designated for flight. I don't know. That's just call me naive, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) If it was the 20th engine, I'd be like, yeah, all right, like that's I get it, but it it was the third third flight engine, so yeah. right. And and I'm banking all of my take on this that uh, Tori, I love Tori Bruno. Everybody, he's he, everybody loves Tori Bruno. He's a big all space fans love Tori Bruno. He's just a nice guy, but he has been drastically downplaying everything that's happening with Vulcan for like a year and a half at this point. Every moment where there was something that the schedule wasn't right or this thing happened or there was a failure in that part or when Eric started posting pictures of of screenshots from Blue Origins videos of Centaur blowing up on the test stand, he has been downplaying the severity of all of that. Uh, And then that whatever he was downplaying would have been walked back within several weeks. So, like, Centaur had its issue, and it was like, minor issue, this Centaur will be repaired and fly again. Turns out they're shipping it back because they have to change the whole top dome of the vehicle, and it will fly eventually, most of the vehicle, except for the part that broke. All right, that got walked back a little bit. It was a large deal. It delayed them, like, five months at a minimum. So, in all these circumstances, I just feel like he's been a little too downplay of the scenarios here. Therefore, I am baking that into my assessment that this is a bigger deal than he's making it.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's probably a co- combination of the fact that they're already so delayed as it is. And, you know, maybe, well, I don't want to speculate about this, but, you know, there are those rumors that they're looking to sell, so they probably, you know, don't, they want to paint a rosier picture than than is, you know, happening. And, you know, I, I doubt the Centaur explosion did a you know, wonders for their their advertisement to sell. So, you know, I, I imagine that plays a, a factor in some
0: capacity. This is our main theme today. Stuff blowing up doesn't sell stuff. That's our that's our thesis <laughs> yes. of this entire episode. <laughs> All
1: right, but I, I will hand it to Tori. He was extremely trans- like to the to the so transparent to the point where you're like, wow, this is um, too much information about how uh, you know arc welding works. <laughs> you know.
0: Um, so I, Star- I
1: will, I will that.
0: starship we had now this is the one if you saw my tweet earlier I was giving Jake some shit for moving the goalpost because he told me recently that the thing we bet on was when starship would successfully make orbit when I'm pretty sure what we bet on was when the first launch would happen so uh, maybe we can check in on your memory Lauren to see and you can be the deal breaker here tiebreaker
1: I'm fairly certain it was just the first launch there, I did it totally
2: was
0: not, i
1: did not i did not anticipate them reaching orbit on
0: the first uh, <laughs> at all all. Right. so that's settled so now we can look at our predictions uh you had july i had august jake had september so once again oh, is so the most i was right. close yeah and all right now let's do a little mid-year prediction rachel when are you feeling like if if we're gonna fly by Jake's rules when it first makes orbit, let's do that <laughs> instead. Not even the second launch. It
2: first makes, first orbit. makes
0: orbit successfully.
2: I think it's possible that it makes orbit on the next launch on the next attempt.
0: Mm, you're a high um, staging believer.
2: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I'm gonna say that I am. I'm gonna say that I'm optimistic for the next flight. That said, I don't know when that next.
0: Flight I'm putting this could down in be. the in the predictions, nonetheless. So.
2: In the predictions, so the yeah, next, I'm putting the it, next it in the next official
0: documents. Next flight is successful, makes orbit, timeline unclear. Yeah, Lauren, I would, would you like to update your line here? Year. Not this year. Yeah, I. Oh. Rachel's
2: saying no, not, Wait, what, not oh, Rachel's this
0: Rachel's year. Sorry. I don't think this year.
2: I don't
0: think so. Nice.
1: Um, I was pretty adamant they weren't going to launch again this year, uh, but they have been moving at a fast clip. So I think maybe the fall, uh, if they do launch again and make like late fall. And um, I the, my issue is that they can't, the engines don't all ignite, like they can't keep all the engines on, you know, I, I, I'm serious. like. Have have all thirty three engines ignited at the same time yet? No. So until I see that, then I'll be a little more optimistic about. I mean, they claim they claim that they can still reach orbit without all of the engines running, but uh, I, you know, I feel like it would be nice to have them all working. <laughs> Isn't that the plan? You know. Sorry, I'm such a jerk.
0: <laughs> Hold on! No, no, no. Well, we're no, you're right, you're we're right. I'm going to stitch a couple things together here. Starship is your ideal okay. vehicle. Cause it is huge, and as long as all the engines work at the same yeah. time, you're like you're in business. You're double thumbs up on it.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. But until the all um. engines ignite, uh, hold on a second though. Both of you are kind of just like skipping over the hot staging situation. Isn't this going to go chaotically wrong? Right. Like the um, first time, it'll work eventually. But yeah. the first time, isn't the first time going to be absolutely chaotic?
1: Yes, I imagine so. It'll definitely, something crazy will happen. Yeah. For sure. They have to There's the only way to test that kind of uh, maneuver is in flight. So I don't think there's any way to uh, actually like show, you know, do that on the ground and make sure that it'll happen in flight.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. Pretty pumped about that. (laughs) My vibe (laughs) was much like yours. I was feeling October, uh, for almost no factual reason, just felt, felt right to me. So, you know, I'm putting that, I'm updating Uh, it.
1: I'll go with, no, I'm going to go with November because I have a very
0: extensive trip planned to Scotland. Nice. All right. I mean, we always, we do always (laughs) bet on Lauren's vacations on this episode, on this show. So that's definitely (laughs) canon for this. Uh, Cruising through the rest of the list. um, We had a couple things. Nobody thought Arian Six was happening. Nobody thought New Glenn was happening. We were all we're all right. Congratulations. Uh we talked about the two crewed flights. Uh we were all very optimistic about clips. We thought Peregrine and Intuitive Machines would all fly we all agreed Intuitive Machines one and Peregrine would fly this year. Are are we even gonna be half right? I mean
2: about Vulcan. Right.
0: Actually, so, if we don't think Falcon flies this year, then that's fair is out. So, how about where are you at on Intuitive Machines? Are you putting? Are you putting a, you putting well, a line actually, in this, Rachel? Are you getting in this? Intuitive Machines, I am one.
2: What's the plan right now?
0: I'm not sure. I, I even soon? remember. What the I think it's like I'm soon, <laughs> like early fall or something, or late <laughs> okay. summer. Yeah. I think uh-huh. it's Q3 at the I'll
1: moment, give it to uh, but they keep changing it.
0: All right. She's an I-1 believer, Lauren.
1: Yeah. I just want to say that while while we were talking, they did send out an update that they successfully conducted a complete spacecraft test run of the Nova Sea lunar lander. So
0: Wow. Breaking news.
1: Factor that into the analysis. Yeah.
0: Wow. All right. Well, there we go. Uh, The only other thing we bet on was... Uh, Polaris Lauren said not in March probably late 2023 and I said I would be thrilled with September 2023 so I feel like we're overall Lauren I'm pretty happy with our prediction list here I'm feeling pretty good about did this we whole not, thing.
2: did
1: we not talk about Starliner at all
0: <laughs> uh, we did not even one bit talk about Starliner we did bet on Artemis 2 crew uh, announcements so you thought Kate Rubens would be on board you missed out on that one Mm-hmm. Jake bet Jeremy Hansen, whatever, whoopty the the frickin' do. Like he bet one of the two Canadians <laughs> that were gonna be on it. Uh, I picked Randy Bresnik and Reed Wiseman. So yeah. Womp.
1: Did any of us say Victor Glover? No. I think I was th- I was expecting him to be on Artemis three, I yeah. think is why I was I didn't put him on there. No.
0: Yeah.
2: It is Reed Wiseman though, isn't it?
0: Is that true? Is that is that I who think was on it? So.
2: Maybe I'm wrong.
0: I forget. Uh,
2: wow,
0: well, I should know this. We all forget at this I point. It's been a while. Yes.
2: Yeah,
0: it's been so long. Uh, yeah, he that is was on that's there? A
2: few months. Now, okay.
0: Oh, is. oh this is. I'm going to move the goalpost yeah. for this one because yes. I wrote yeah. him. I wrote <laughs> him down in this prediction document, but I don't know if I said him on the show. I think I just picked one name, which is Randy Bresnik. But it's verifiably in this document, and you can check the edit dates. So, if Jake wants to say we were betting on orbital starship, I'm gonna at least say I get credit for Reed Wiseman being on this list. So, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I think so. yeah. All right. So, not not bad. We did all right. We're we're feeling good what looking else? in the second half. Well, should we
1: add a Starliner prediction? Because, man, that one is really up for grabs.
0: <laughs> I. I literally don't even know what I would bet on Starliner. What are we even betting? Like, that it will fly next year? What are we betting? I was I
1: was going to say, like, it has to fly next year, or I, I, how are they going to keep going? Or else. You know, Because it had been... Well, I mean, you're building this for the International Space Station. We're coming up on the end of the International Space Station. Like, the thing needs to start flying, or else why do we have it, you know? So... It's got to fly next year, or maybe twenty twenty five, and then otherwise, I don't know. I can't foresee it moving forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, Boeing's come out and said they're not dropping this program, right? They're kind of sinking money into it still. Um,
0: they sort of I half-assedly it, it said make it. Much they sense. like they like for a second we're like, well, we're thinking about it. Oh, we didn't mean that. What we meant was. <laughs> Right. What we meant was we're lobbying heavily for the ISS to be extended beyond <laughs> 20 to, 2030 so we can keep flying Starliner.
2: Oh, right. yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> That's the 40 chess,
0: right? Is that's, that ISS goes to, like, 34, and then Starliner flies, like, 20, 28, 9, 30, 31, 32. I was going to
2: say, it,
1: like, flies, like, 33. <laughs> like, the last six years, and they and then bumped they, it out. Yeah, yeah
0: and then they close it down. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'd actually bet that before uh most things I feel like at this point. <laughs> it's hard to bet anything but that. Yeah. Alright, well uh I feel like this has been enlightening. I worked through why I'm a little bit weird about these uh FAA situations and uh we at least assessed the fact that you shouldn't blow stuff up that you're also trying to sell. So I do feel like we made some progress overall. So I'm feeling good about that. But many Many quotable moments. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel, uh, if people are not familiar with your work, what should they do to uh, check you out?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I write a daily newsletter uh, called Payload. You can check us out, payloadspace.com, and subscribe to the daily newsletter, as well as two weekly newsletters on policy written by my editor, Jacqueline, and um, Parallax written by Juan uh, about space science.
0: Yeah, and there was uh, super good JWST stuff in here. Uh, with all the the birthday bash photos, I think it was also like yes. Lauren's birthday on the same day as JWST. Is that a true fact? Oh,
2: happy it birthday! Is. Yesterday was my birthday. Yes.
0: So that's so a fun forever going to be overshadowed yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> congrats! Congrats on having to work every day on your yeah. birthday for the next ten years at a minimum. <laughs> um, the book. We need to hear about the book. What's the situation on the book?
1: Uh, the book is coming out September 12th. Uh, you can pre-order it. I believe, yes, there, uh, there's my website. Feel free to pre-order it there. Or I, I think I put a link up on Twitter. Um, so yes, please, you know how those pre-orders work. They really help an author out. So going to plug that and I hope you all will bear with me for the next couple of months when I'm pretty shameless about it.
0: <laughs> no, the pre-orders, I say this every time somebody's on the show with the book, the pre-orders are a legit thing because I'm um, Pretty sure it still works this way on at least Amazon, which is all the pre-orders get counted on launch day, which shoots you way up the chart. So it's awesome. Yes. What I've also heard, though, is um, you're doing a full book tour in the Sally Ride (laughs) Astrovan. Yes. And if not, why not? (laughs) No.
1: Um, You know what? I think that's a great idea, and we should definitely go find one of those and make it happen. Um, But... No, for real, we are doing a book tour. We haven't solidified the dates yet. But once I do have those dates, I'll definitely make mm. them known. So if you are in a certain state, uh, I will be going to, hopefully, I would, I would love to see everyone and, and meet people and talk about space and and the, these amazing women. So I'll definitely keep everyone posted. But we're still massaging that for now.
0: Is there at least going to be a Northeast date somewhere in there?
1: Uh Yes. Cool. uh probably New York yeah, it's we we'll to see um but we're we're kind of targeting you know uh space related states, so Florida, Texas, California, and then um I believe Seattle is also on the list, so uh stay tuned for that.
0: awesome. well, that's all we got next week. Jake's back next week uh it's July twentieth, which means we'll talk about the most notable space event to happen on July twentieth, which is Jeff Bezos's space flight, obviously, <laughs> uh, critically important space event on July twentieth. Uh, I don't have. I literally don't know what Jake and I are going to talk about, but he's coming back, so it should be fun. Uh, but otherwise, thank you both for hanging out, for putting up with uh, our antics here, and we will talk to you soon. One,
2: two, three, four, five, five, uh, three, two, one, <laughs> end of the oh, Bye.